Our, uh, our sermon lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, um, the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 28 and going all the way to verse 30. It's, these, it's just three verses, three lines in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, Charles, Charles Spurgeon was this famous 19th century English preacher. He's actually called the, the prince of preachers. I'm not sure if that's a, a term of great endearment. I'm not sure, but he was the, the prince of preachers. And he preached 12 sermons on three verses. Now, I love that. You, you, you may not, but I really love that. And so we're not gonna, I'm not going to preach 12 sermons, but I'm going to do three, maybe four sermons on these three verses. He sort of described these three verses as a mine where you're going down, you're looking for coal, but instead of finding coal, you find gold. And if he says, if you keep going deeper, deeper into these verses, what you'll find are pearls. And not just pearls, but pearls of hope. These three verses, I believe, for us right now are truly that, are pearls of hope. Now, every time we read a verse, we need to put it in the context. Jesus is the one who is speaking these verses. But he's speaking them to these cities. And these cities have seen these miracles. They've seen these wonders. They have heard about Jesus. They have seen Jesus do amazing things in these cities. The problem is they don't believe in him. And they just went about their normal day of life. That things just continue to happen. They were seeing all these miracles, but you know what? It really wasn't a big deal for them. And they were full, not of belief, but unbelief. And so Jesus is seeing folks here, seeing these cities full of self-sufficiency and power and wealth and unwilling to let go of that to come to him. But he sees people there in these cities, too, who are tired, fatigued, weary. They have been oppressed by religious leaders who keep demanding to them to do more and more and more. And the more things they did, that their teaching was the more that you would please God, which is so false. But Jesus comes as the one sent by God and he says these words to them. And so I'm going to read them these words in two different translations. The first from the NIV and the second from a paraphrase version called the message. Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and, and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now from the message, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. 
Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. My friends, these are the words of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to focus on the first verse here this week where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that good news? Oh, that is great news. He starts off and says, Come to me. What a shocking claim. Jesus says, Listen, I want you to come to me. He doesn't say, Do this or do that or come to church or come, come to your pastor. He says, Come to me. It's a, it's a radical claim. What Jesus is saying is that I know you're weary and I, and I know you're full of unbelief and I know you're worn out, but here's what I want you to come to me. That's a bold claim. That's a shocking claim. That is an outrageous claim. Oswald Chambers says it this way that a personal contact with Jesus Christ changes everything. He says, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ changes everything. Cities that were here full of unbelief, they didn't need better politicians or new laws. What they needed was Jesus to come to Jesus. People who were burdened, who were fatigued, who were exhausted, they didn't need more things to do. They needed Jesus, a personal encounter with Jesus. And a personal encounter with Jesus changes everything. Jesus says in John's gospel, if, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from them. Jesus says earlier in John's gospel, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me what will never be thirsty. He's saying that, yes, as you have a physical appetite, and you're physically thirsty, come to me. I will not only satisfy your physical needs, but I will satisfy you to a point that there will be a well of water flowing out from you. Come to me. He says, come to me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come to me. He says that to these fishermen who are just who were mending nets. He's saying, drop your nets and come to me. I will make you into something. You know, there's this encounter that Jesus has with this rich young ruler. And the Gospels tell us that this rich young ruler was rich. and had a lot of possessions. And, and, he's, and he asked this question to Jesus, you know, how do I be perfect? And Jesus says this, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor 
and you'll have treasures in heaven, then come, follow me. But yeah, if you want to be perfect, I want you to go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor, then come, follow me. And the Gospels tell us that this rich young ruler walked away sad because he had a lot of possessions. A lot of possessions. It's one of the rare occurrences in all of the Gospels where when someone meets Jesus, they walk away sad. When Jesus was, was, was walking along, there were several of John's the Baptist disciples. One was Andrew. And he was following Jesus, and Jesus stopped and says, what do you want? And he says, I want to know where you are staying. He says, come and see. And so he goes and spends his time with Jesus, and afterwards, he goes and finds his brother Simon, and he goes and grabs Simon, and he brings Simon to Jesus. And Jesus sees Simon and takes Simon and changes his name to, to Peter. And Peter meets Jesus because his brother Andrew had a personal encounter with Jesus. See, a personal encounter with Jesus changes everything. And that's how we should be praying for our city right now. That's how we pray for our schools and our churches and all of our families and all of us. And a personal encounter with Jesus changes everything. It changed Simon's life and his direction, Andrew's life. It changed this, this woman who was at the well all by herself. She's ostracized by her whole city, and she, and she meets Jesus. She has this personal encounter with Jesus. And she goes back to her own village, the village who wouldn't have a time of day with her. And she says to them, come and see a man who told me everything and knew everything about my life. Could he be the Messiah? That whole town invites Jesus to be with them. And a revival breaks out there. See, Jesus is speaking to a city that is tired and fatigued and wearied. He doesn't tell them all these things, go and do this and go do that. He gives them an invitation. It's actually a command It says, come to me. Come to me. It carries with it this sense of doing something right now. if If you actually read this in the original Greek, what it means is come now. Andrew, come now. Simon, come now. But the woman at the well was really telling her village to stop whatever you're doing and come now to meet Jesus. What Jesus was telling really the rich young ruler was, you won't be perfect, then come now, drop everything now and come to me. In the sense, what Jesus is saying that if you're weary and tired and burnt out on religion, that I haven't, that, that come to me, but come to me right now. Caesar Kalowinski says that what discipleship is all about, it's a process. It's a process of moving from unbelief to belief in Jesus, in everything, 
and in, and in every area of our life. That it's a process of moving from unbelief to belief in Jesus in everything, in every area of our life. That's what Jesus is, is saying to these cities, these cities of unbelief who, who do not believe him, who are renouncing him, who have seen all these miracles. They still cannot trust Jesus. His invitation, come to me, is an, is an invitation to drop whatever you are and wherever you are and whatever you have, whatever belief you have, and trust me. It's, it's, a, it's an invitation to come and believe me, trust in me, because Jesus says the truth will set you free. And when he has come to relieve us of our burdens and to bring us to a life of freedom, isn't that great news? He's, he's invited us to come to this life of freedom, and it begins by coming to him, believing in him. And so he says, are you tired? Yeah. Are you burdened? <laughs> yes. Are you worn out? Yes. Are you tired of religion? Yes. Yes. I'm not sure about you, but I know over these last weeks, just fatigued and burdened by the myriad of decisions that are not being made or, or that we're wanting to be made. And all these new habits that we have and all this new way of life that, that we are learning. See, Jesus is, is speaking to a group of people and he's calling them to action. A group of people who have sheer unbelief of Jesus and he's inviting them to come to him. And some, some are burdened by their own guilt. They, they realize that what they have done, they have sinned against God. And the guilt and the hurt and the pain and the brokenness, that they're just weighed down by that. And that's what's burdening them. That's what's holding them down. And Jesus came to relieve us. He came to set us free. He came to relieve us from our own self-sufficiency. See, these villages believe that they, all they needed was better laws, that they were okay with the way life was, that they were so caught up in their own self-sufficiency that they didn't need Jesus. See, we can't live the Christian life in the spirit of self-sufficiency. It's weak. It's powerless. It's inconsistent. It's unbiblical. The Christian life is a life of self-dependency on Jesus. That's what Jesus is asking. That's what he's asking. He's, he's trying to lead a city revival and starts with people who trust Jesus in everything. See, the process of discipleship is moving from unbelief to belief. So do I, do I trust Jesus right now? with the decision I'm having to make with my children for school? Am I, am I trusting Jesus right now with our nation? Am I trusting Jesus right now with, with my illness? Am I trusting Jesus right now with my loss of job? Am I trusting Jesus right now with my loss and the change in my financial situation? Am I trusting Jesus right now or am I trying to take it upon myself? 
and fix it in my own words, in my own power. But if you walk the way of Jesus, we cannot walk the way of self-sufficiency. It's a life of self-dependency upon Christ. And the image here that Jesus has of weariness, of burden, is exactly what you might imagine. It's actually this huge burden placed upon us and we're carrying this huge burden and we're watching each one of us sort of carry this burden and we're trying to get to this place and we're making movement here and we're exhausted and we're wanting to quit and when we, and we almost fall down and we pick ourselves up and we're trying to get this, this boulder, this burden over to here and we're watching this happen and we, and, and we want to come and say, I want to rescue you. I want to stop you. No, we're just, I, I want to, I'm going to carry this burden on my own. I'm going to keep going on my own. I want to keep getting there. I can do it. I can do it on my own. I want to prove something to my own. And Jesus is saying that I came to relieve you from that burden. Actually, I took that burden to the cross. I want to say, it is finished. It is finished. You don't have to please God. You don't have to keep doing all the stuff that religion is saying. I've come to set you free. You don't have to weary. You don't have to be weary anymore. I'm here. You see in this passage the gift that Jesus brings? It's rest. It's rest. Are you tired? Yeah. Are you burnt out? Yeah, yeah, I am. Are you burdened? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, if you come to me, I give you rest. The rest that Jesus brings us is not so we can binge more Netflix. It's not like, great, I can go to the beach. That's not, that's not the rest he's saying. He, he's not the rest of saying, good, I'll, I'll help you sleep better. That's not what he's saying. It's a rest of joy. It's a rest of satisfaction. It's a rest of delight. See, so many of us are carrying burdens that we don't need to carry. Maybe I misspoke. I'll say it again. There are many burdens that we are carrying that we don't need to carry. We were not designed to carry. We weren't created to carry these burdens. But Jesus says, I am the one who is to carry them for you. We'll look at that next week. I have come to carry these burdens. You're carrying things that I am supposed to carry for you. And so I want to do that now. That's what rest is. Rest. He says, I want to give you something that the world cannot give. Rest. Joy. Satisfaction. Augustine says it this way. Lord, you created us for yourself. That we were created for God that we were created for a relationship with God. 
He goes on and says, Lord, you made us for yourself and we can find no rest until we find our rest in you. That we were created for God. But we cannot find any rest until we find our rest in him. We can't find our joy until we find our joy in him. We can't find satisfaction until we, we find that in him being our burden carrier. See, that is what Jesus has come to do. That we find our rest, our rest in him. The rest is like this. Not that I will put you to sleep. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying the rest is I will help you wake up in the morning. When you want to keep sleeping. The rest is this. When we are half dead just emotionally drained, physically overwhelmed, but we're still alive, the rest he gives us is we're alive. He makes us alive. The rest that when we are out of labor, we're exhausted beyond any of our means, he gives us rest. Rest. It's a divine gift. He says, you come to me, I'm going to give you rest. And then next week he tells us how to do that. This week it's just the invitation, it's command. Drop whatever you are doing and come to me. I will give you rest. He tells a parable about a, a rich farmer. And this rich farmer had a great crop and it yielded well beyond his imagination. And his storage and the barns, he didn't have enough for it. And so he made a decision that, hey, you know what? I need to build more barns. And so that's what he did. He, he built more barns. And, and so he stored all of his crops in, in these barns. And afterwards, he's sort of looking at his work, the work that he has done. And he says to himself, Jesus says, he says to himself, man, I have plenty of good things. Boy, I have done well. And I got crops and food laid up for many, many years. And so you know what? I'm just going to take life easy. And he says this, I'm just going to eat I'm just going to drink, and I'm just going to be merry. Sound like a Kenny Chesney song, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> and Jesus says, that man's a fool. What a fool. Because this very night, his life will be taken from him. And he spent all of his energy building bigger barns so that what he could find peace in the world's eyes and in his own terms so he could say, look what I have done. I grew this crop and I have all of these 
food in these barns and I'm good. He says, no. You can't find rest in earthly possessions. And the rest I give, you can't find in this world. I think what Jesus is saying is that when I possess you, then you possess peace and rest and joy and life. When I possess you, then you'll have rest. You'll have rest because of me. Let me ask you this question. Where are you restless? Where are you restless? What's weighing you down? What thing? What person? What situation? What's what's weighing you down? What what burden are you carrying? Where in your life are you trying to make things on your own? What is Jesus asking you right now to give over to him? I mean, he, he, he gives an invitation. You say, well, you can say that as these cities. And you can keep going about it and trying to resolve it in your own manner. You, you have heard the good news. You can continue to live in unbelief. Or a process of discipleship is moving from unbelief that today is to believe. Believe that Jesus is here. He will take that burden, take that worry, take that guilt, take that shame, take that sin, and that when you move toward him and you come toward him and you go to him, you'll find rest, joy, and satisfaction. And maybe today is the day to make that decision. Maybe today is the day to make that decision. And so following the service here, if I'll be here if you want to pray. Or following the sermon, just sit there and just be quiet and pray. And Jesus is giving this invitation to you to find rest. He's wanting to give you rest. Please join me in prayer. Well, gracious God, you have come to give us rest. But we choose to live in restlessness because we've, that's all we know. That's what we've come to know and come to experience that, that we don't really feel alive or human unless we're restless. And you've come to model to us and to give us a new way of life. And that way of life is rest in you. And you invite us and you give us this command to come to you. And so, Lord, may we move towards you right now. On Facebook, online, there are people there right now that we can talk to, that we can pray with. And the people right here 
a person that we can pray with as well. God, in this season of tremendous fatigue and weariness, you have come to say, let go and let me take hold of you. And we will only find our rest when we rest in you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.